0: Previously on HG World Presents the Gougies.
1: How many you got down there, General? Thirty. I can only take five, maybe six on this bus with the cargo.
2: Five or six? What about the rest of them?
1: No more than fifteen in the ride behind me. Unless they want to ride back to New York on the outside of the truck.
2: I'll get them into the other van, General.
1: Here we go. Okay, here's the deal. There's a spooky castle in Central New York State where the eaters think and talk and run. And? Well, I was waiting for the inevitable questions and look of shock.
3: Nothing surprises us,
0: mate. Well, I'm a little surprised, slightly terrified.
1: But go on.
4: So, the second phase of the Shepherd's plan has begun.
1: Joe knows the inside of the spooky castle and some of the bad guys inside it. Their plan is to complete their B-movie science experiment to basically create a living human-eater hybrid. You just left. I didn't
4: just leave. I exiled myself. What the hell does that mean? Not me, not Joe. Savanna. in your dreams who sings to you. Savanna, who wishes for you to step onto the
1: shore. They sent me to find you and bring you back there. If I don't, Gorman and his goons will kill all the children. And so it went. Back in our shiny metal boxes. Just contestants in a suicidal race. While many miles away Miles away there's a shadow on the door of a cottage
5: on the shore. Are you okay, Mr. Peters? Of the dark of the of the dark.
0: And now, HG World presents The Gougies, Chapter 7.
5: How long does he have?
6: Days now. His condition is accelerating.
5: I don't understand.
6: One of the byproducts of living among necroambulants is that most of the survivors developed a condition called Elder Syndrome we found that even the uninfected who worked or lived around the infected for prolonged periods ingested or inhaled dead cells that were part of the pain infection. These cells build up and present as throat or lung cancer, can result in blood cancer or contribute to various neurological disorders. In some cases, the subject's ability to repair itself declines, similar to the initial phases of AIN where the infection suppresses the immune system, but here the body simply ages faster, burning itself out as it goes. Will he reanimate? No. Any doctor examining him would say he's no younger than 90. When he entered our care, he was 135 pounds and looked about 75. Mr. Peters is 53 years old. I see. Where's Mrs. Peters? On her way back. I want you to be aware, Mr. Shearer, that his cognitive functions are in decline as well. Mr. Peters gave orders to continue your discussion, but I would caution you about taking anything he says at this point. Well, a lot of patients begin to misremember those things they can remember at all. Mr. Peters sometimes claims he's married to some woman named Joe and talks about his sailing voyages to Heracus. He gets angry that he can't remember names or events in a specific sequence that's expected. All we can do is make him comfortable and let him rage against the dying of the light, as they say. He's fighting it, not us. We just have to remember that. Thank you.
1: Mark Shear, Ace Reporter. (laughs) Come on in. Doc tells me your quick thinking saved my life yesterday. If I'd been alone out on the patio, they would have found old Kenneth Peters about as agreeable as I've ever been to them.
5: Well, I'm glad I was there. Didn't take much to scream for help, though.
1: Well, I don't hand out thanks too often. and Maybe you were just protecting your story for the podcasts. <laughs> but I appreciate the save. I, I really do. You're welcome. Do me a favor. Grab those gym socks on the table. The nurse forgot to put them on, and uh, these sheets are never long enough, you know? Would you mind slipping them on my old dogs?
5: Sure, Mr. Peters. You sound better. I guess a good night's sleep did you some good?
1: I'm sure the adrenaline and, and maybe the drugs they're feeding me help. We're on to low-level morphine now, and once you're on the train, it's hard to hop off. A neighbor of mine got the big C last year. Once they put him on morphine, it was all downhill from there.
5: I don't know. It's just there to manage your pain.
1: Which won't go away. Ever. Thanks for the shiny happy kid, but you're a reporter. Don't gloss the story up for me. I know
5: where I am and what's coming for me. Yes, sir. So, pick up where we left off? If I can remember
1: where we left off, sure. Let's see. Um, you know, I I feel a bit like a time traveler, Mark. Maybe I'm putting things like they were. Maybe, Maybe just like I remember. I don't know. You know, part of me feels like I really go back there, and and I can maybe change something. Maybe that's good. Maybe when I drift back there, I can do something different than I did. Change the ending. What do they say? The winners decide what goes in the history books? Maybe I'm not the objective source your people are looking for in your story, Mark.
5: Just tell me as you remember it, and I'll fact check. Uh, you just picked up the Happy Valley Militia survivors at the burning campsite and, uh, had a bunch of kids in your trucks? So I was on
1: my way back to Makwe to try to figure out a way to free all the kids I'd put there that we put there from those relocation camps set up by the Happy Valley Militia. You know, in, in our own ways, we were partly responsible for feeding this system, McGinnis and Major Grant were part of the United Nations operation that somehow morphed into the Brotherhood. General Ying was a puppet. He was a puppet of the Brotherhood and helped round up kids and women for relocation. Dr. Shiva Vesta treated and prepared children for the relocation. Joe was a big part of the Brotherhood. And me? Well... I put a lot of kids in danger by transporting them to the camp where they were all in the hands of the monsters. Yeah. We all like to think we were unwitting accomplices, but underneath, we all knew different. An important rule of travel is to understand that the route won't be the same each time you follow it. I learned that running the Popcorn Express. It was I think it was toward the end of November, and it was common for roads to flood one day, freeze the next, and and get dusted by snow. Abandoned cars were everywhere. Fallen rocks, herds of eaters, bandits, refugees. The road was an adventure you took slow. About halfway to our final destination, it was me, Grant, Doc Vesta and McGinnis in General Ying's swinging 70s van riding into a fold between two humps in the Appalachian Mountains. The van didn't have the armor of the larger 973 or the 992, but it was a little faster. I could scout ahead a bit and, and, and hope I didn't run into anyone with a rifle or a big rock. The northbound lanes of the interstate were separated from the south a little farther down the slope of a hill, but it was closer to the joint we spotted as a potential backup stopping place. Because I didn't know how bad the obstacles would be in the opposite direction and some other delays, I realized we had to use that backup and stop before sundown instead of pushing on to our original stopping point for the night. Some things we did back then Didn't make a whole lot of sense in hindsight, but at the time we were making shit up and it wasn't like we had an Eater Survivor Guide in the glove box to help us figure shit out. I'm putting the backup plan into effect, guys. Unless there are any objections and you want to drive this highway in the dark. Eyes sharp to the right. Watch for the mountain face to fall away into a low sloping valley and you'll see a truck stop in Office Park just down the hill near the next off-ramp. Got it. Half a mile out, you can see it off the highway to the right. Got it, a truck stop. Are
2: you sure it's safe?
1: Sure as anything else. We saw it on our way south and marked it as a potential pull-off.
2: I hope so, because we need to get off the road a while. Electricity, beds, even a workbench will be helpful.
1: We aim to please, Doc. Hang on, we're hitting the off-ramp. Where's the actual site? Look for the tan-colored building with no windows. In the truck stop? No, next to the property, along the perimeter fence. I see a gas truck on
0: its side, laying on the fence near the pull-in. 30 cars, and trucks, a few rigs. Looks like a lot of people are trying to funnel into the yard. What's that warehouse over yonder? What direction is a yonder? Forget I asked. I think I found the target. One story pillbox with no windows, fire door up front. Looks like an old Barnaby's bar and grill. Yep. On the roof there's a billboard.
1: Some leggy chick with big hair. That's the one. Tell B to slow down while I do a drive by.
2: Unit 2, this is Dr. Any sign Fox. of eaters? Slow down and keep a distance. They and haven't woken any up sign yet. Of hostile
0: the Sound of our engines will wake them up You're soon out. enough. So let's do this out. all That's quick like.
1: Speaking of waking up. You want to kick your boss in the ribs there and tell him we're getting ready to do some work? Hey boss, we made it to Shangri-La. Great. Where are my painkillers, made?
2: You took them two hours ago. No more until sundown.
1: Looks like the exterior doors are still sealed. What's all this then? It's a gentleman's club. What? Picked it just for you, McInnis. No windows. Just fire doors and a loading dock. How would do you expect to get in? Barnaby's are all laid out the same. There's a maintenance hatch on the roof near the kitchen. Grant will just have to go in, secure the loading area off the kitchen, and we can open up the truck.
3: That's what I get for sleeping through a planning session, I guess.
1: How do you know all this? Aside from working the kitchen and the Barnaby's for a year? No idea. The remodeling job they did to turn it into a gentleman's club just looks superficial. But you got a point, I could be wrong. Don't sweat it, boss. I'm heading up top. Try not
0: to bump around a lot, kid. I'll drive slow for you, Gramps. (laughs) Dick.
6: Hey, Chief, we're tracking about 50 hostiles coming from inside the fences from the main complex, looks like. Slow moving, 400 yards out,
1: It'll take them a while to get through the tangle of cars in the parking lot. Shiva, tell B to get to that loading dock. I don't like to look at things around back, either.
2: Unit 2, prepare to bring your van around to the back of the site. There's a loading dock on the side towards the broken length of fence. Pull backward into the door and wait for further instructions. We're on it. They have to open their doors before they park flush against the dock. They'll be exposed.
1: I know. Not much we can do until the cargo door is flush against the dock. Major Grant, unit two is pulling into the lot. You've got two minutes until touchdown.
0: It's a big place. I'll secure it
1: best I can. There's a roof access door up top. Grant is going in to secure the location. He's gonna raise the loading dock door for the other van. And how are we getting in? You know, I didn't even think about that. What? Jesus, man. One stupid plan at a time. Grant, we're as close as we're going to get. Can you jump that gap? Watch me, kid. Holy, he's a nimble old man. Quite like a wink he is. I'm on the roof. We got us a gas Jenny plugged into the main power from up here.
7: That'll be nice if it works. I see the access door. It's locked. No longer locked.
6: We're backing up.
7: Opening the doors now.
2: B, I'm seeing dozens of stragglers around you inside those cars. They're waking up.
7: Smells awful in
8: there,
1: but I don't hear anything. I'm heading inside. Night vision is on. Radio, please. Grant, the basic layout of the place should be the same as your average Barnaby's. The hatch should put you into a small office. Outside the office door should be the kitchen. Just across the kitchen, you'll see the loading door to the right.
7: Roger on the office. I can see a kitchen through the office window.
1: McGinnis! I'm going to drive toward those eaters at the rear to draw them off the other van. Can you take the guns up top? On it. Two bodies in the office. Middle-aged guy and a skinny young thing. Oh, this isn't good. They threw shit against the door. No sign of... Uh-oh. Come on, Irish. Hit something or use a bigger gun. What about Grant? Grant, where are you? I'm gonna need some help with this. I took out one hostile by the office door. The doors in the kitchen are secure. I'm hearing some noise, and there are a lot of nooks and crannies to this place. I need some light, eyes, and mine. We'll do a full sweep when we get inside. I'm on my way to the loading dock. B, get ready. Come on, Irish. You've got full access to both sides. If they get behind the van, you won't be able to get off a clean shot. Bonus. Sarge just crawled up on the roof of their van. At least I know she can hit things.
2: God, where did
1: they all come from? Dozens.
3: I hit more things trying not to hit them.
1: It's okay, Irish. It happens to all guys at some point. So I hear. Oi, no need to insult me. Oh sure. You're a rigid pillar of man flesh. Happy? No, you
3: get I'm a Scotsman! Not Irish. Doors coming up.
6: There's too wide a gap in the back, Pete. Back up another foot. Don't worry about scuffing the bumper.
1: Easy. Watch the kids.
2: Two kids down! Solved. the gaps. We've got two of the children! Save them!
0: They're gone. and Joe are getting the last across the camp. B, take it out of gear
1: and let the thing roll back. I don't want any eaters crawling in. Watch out! Coming up from the right! We can't help him. We've got one last part to do yet. We lost five kids. Maybe more. I stopped counting. Had to. Things just didn't go the way they should. Best laid plans and all that. I understood this. But even after all everybody else saw out there on the road... Even after all the conventions and systems they relied on to get through the day broke down. They still had this mindset that if you push the button, you got a cookie. (laughs) Flip a switch and the lights go on. Or the TV. Always a dial tone. If you fall, mommy would be there to catch you. If you work hard and pray to baby Jesus and eat your vegetables, you'll be successful and everything will work out fine. (laughs) Not in my young life. Dr. Vesta was one of those people who needed things to make sense. There had to be order. When you took an action, there was an equal and opposite and predictable reaction. If she hadn't spent most of the apocalypse in a big tin drum playing the last pediatrician on earth, I think she might have tried to argue the fucking eaters out of existence. The rest of us, we got to the point where we wouldn't be shocked if the sun rose in the west. Or if it just stopped at some point in the day and said, I'm done with you fucking planets. I'm out of here. Well, we improvised our way around. Nothing worked right. Nothing ever went as planned. I mean, we weren't exactly unprepared for survival situations, but we weren't prepared for carting three dozen kids around in a tank for three days. Or three minutes. Oh, those poor kids. Two of them. Couldn't have been more than nine. Never had a chance. I saw two older kids panic and make a run for the trees. God knows why. They didn't make it out of the parking lot before the lurkers and walkers got them. In the end, 50 eaters took to shaking the van like a big box of popcorn, catching whatever shook loose from inside, gobbling it up between them. They didn't even care that Sarge, McGinnis, and Grant kept pouring ammo into the mob. They just tossed the bones aside and clawed toward the bits of meat and gore left on the ground. Grant and Joe, they saved as many as they could and got them out of the truck. Shiva and I, well, we just sat there until I had the sense to get on with the other part of our mission. Getting fuel for the cargo truck. How are you holding up? Don't hit me, but you seem a little... You remember I said my brain works wonky sometimes? I don't like to think about those days. When I remember that day, I'm grateful I didn't get to know those kids. I don't know the horrors they witnessed before they wound up the militia camp. I don't see them. I see the kid up the street in my old neighborhood. The chubby girl with the pigtails who was always playing with her little dollar store talking dolly. Chumming up with it like it was her best friend in the world. Then... I look back and I see that doll getting pulled between two hungry monsters. Plastic limbs popping out of socket and a little voice box babbling on about love and hugs and boys. and, And then it's, and then, and then it's gone. And I'm on the radio trying to fix something else gone wrong. In the middle of it, there's no time to reflect. The other van was out of go juice, and ours was low, too. I searched while Grant and Joe and the other two from the camp herded those kids and made them work. Maybe these days the idea of handing a 12 year old a 9mm in a closed area is considered irresponsible. But a small kid in an enclosed area can be a great advantage. By the time we hit New York, you not only had your battle-damaged catatonics, but you had some steel-eyed young cowboys out there who were,
5: as Grant would say, frosty. Did you pick up any on the way? I imagine there were other survivors. True. But you gotta
1: understand that we were protecting ours, and they, other refugees, were protecting theirs. You see two heavy trucks with makeshift turrets and gun slits rolling up Main Street, and all but the most desperate will hide the women and children. The Happy Valley Militia inspired most of that. The retooled trucks and transports the Happy Valley Militia used were made to roll into a site, take what was needed, and roll out. We may as well have been flying skull and crossbones, our little stopover was a bit of pillaging itself. While I took our truck up to the gas pumps, Grant and B described the inside of our shelter, and the remains told its story. A small group of people, maybe I don't know, maybe a dozen, did the same thing as we were we were doing. They locked themselves inside with a lot of supplies, enough to last months if rationed. Somehow the eaters got in. Probably in the blood of a survivor who kept his condition secret until it was too late. Sarge kept watch over the kids in the kitchen area, ready to herd them all back into the truck if shit went south. But Grant and B did their best to secure the site. As Grant reported in, it sounded. <clears throat> it sounded more and more like a good choice had a working jenny food had booze, plenty of sofas and beds to sleep in a big old campsite I imagine the previous squatters had every chance in the world to make a run for it but they didn't who knows why but their loss was our opportunity to survive another day Pun aside, Sarge, you're not letting the kids listen in on this, are you?
7: Why the fuck
3: not? Guys, you have got to see this bar. It's a fucking alter to
1: Bacchus. McCallum single malt scotch, untouched. What the hell? That seems a little odd. Too late, Grant. I hope the fuck the kids didn't hear that, Sarge. I remember the first thing I thought when B got tagged. I was afraid we didn't have anybody to drive the 972. Isn't that funny? I didn't know anything about B. He was just a guy who could drive the 972, so he came along. A voice on the radio, nothing more. I realized someone else could drive his wagon, so when they threw his body on top of all the others, I don't think he occurred to me again. Is that evil?
5: I'm not a philosopher, Mr. Peters.
1: No. Guess that's the mark of a good journalist. But let's fast forward a bit. It took forever for us to find and siphon enough fuel for our needs. It wouldn't fill our cargo truck, but it was enough to get us to our secondary destination. Meanwhile, General Yang and Grant did their inventory. It was like B never even existed.
2: medical supplies.
7: They went through a lot of it. There's probably enough left to fill a medicine cabinet. Aspirin, some sterile gauze, Benadryl.
5: Not enough for a major emergency. King says he found some improvised painkillers in the manager's safe. He
2: would be able to sniff those out. I'll do an inventory when we get back. Keep the children away from the remains, and General Ying. I've got most of them corralled in the kitchen until I'm 100% the rest of this place is
7: clean. Between the champagne room, the private booth, the place has secret freaking doors.
2: Thank you, Major. Just... just keep them safe, please. That's job one, Doctor
7: here. We're gonna have beans and cocktail waities tonight. Maybe a little campfire and some singing. Stupid, stupid
2: jokes at a time like... <sighs> Understood, Major. And see if you can pick up some barbecue sauce and some frozen yogurt
1: for after the... <sighs> Whoa there, Doc.
2: Insufferable. Making jokes letting people babies get killed. He was irresponsible.
1: Who? Grant? B was an idiot. Grant's not Superman. Calm the fuck down. Calm down? Calm the fuck
2: down. You revel in this. You are enjoying this. The world's gone mad, living and dead. Everyone. (laughs)
1: Oh, great.
2: So I broke one of your toys. We're going to fuel up and spend the night eating franks and beans and drinking our fill in a deserted gentleman's club. A a big boys camping trip. All fun and games without any concern for the fact that we just lost more little ones because we couldn't protect them.
1: Oh, now, easy there. We're doing what we gotta, Doc. We can't save them all. Look, tomorrow morning we'll scoot over Route 8... Drop the kids off with your people there, and...
2: And then what? We go play cowboys and eaters somewhere else. Wonderful.
1: Anyway, since you broke our two-way, can you go up and see how long until McGinnis is finished? We're almost out of light. I want to be docked and out of this stink box before we're stuck out here in the middle of a new moon.
2: I'm sorry, Mr. Peters. The strain of the day... was children. I... I tend to think of them as my own, at least until they're safe. Someone with adults who can take care of them. You don't know them. They either watch their loved ones die or have no idea where they are. And terrified. They need to see us as their guardians. I'm, I'm sorry I'm so short. But the stakes are high for them. Anyway... Please do not think I undervalue your contribution to delivering us from a hole in the ground.
1: Don't sweat it, Doc. You... Hey, your knuckles are bleeding. Pretty bad, too.
2: What? Oh, it's, um... Not my knuckles, um... My nails. (laughs) I I dug them into my palms. It's just what I squeezed out between my fingers, I I guess. Yeah...
1: I really felt bad for Doc. People just wanted to get their brain around the whole problem, like it was their job to put it right. I guess Rome probably had its opposites of Nero, who kept trying to put out the inferno bucket by bucket until it burned them up too. Lucky for me, I'm not all that bright or ambitious. I tried to take this attitude like, it is what it is. We saw undead kids all the time. It, it's not like just the adults were turning and all the babies and children went up by rapture to set out their apocalypse. They were all in it too. Hundreds of millions of them. So many in our small group that some were bound to get picked off, like in those Discovery Channel videos where the herd is running across the field getting chased. The herd don't stop when the lioness digs her claws into the flank of one of their number. They keep running. They run until they're safe. Us, we do the same. We run until we're safe. And then, and then... We grieve for them and for ourselves. We put the kids in the private lounge. It was padded and filled with sofas and chairs and, and other places to lay down. Grant was able to hook up his MP3 player through the room speakers and play some Some god-awful pop music which helped put some of them to sleep and, and calm most of the rest down. Some of them didn't want to sleep, or couldn't. It was still very fresh in their minds what had happened to their friends, you know. It wasn't something they could just sleep on. We had a little chat about it, but nobody really wanted to deal with it. Grant got weirded out by the whole thing right after dinner.
7: Excuse me? Yes, ma'am? I'm not a ma'am. I'm Becky.
0: Of course. Hi, Becky. What can I do for you?
7: Are you Santa Claus?
0: Hmm? Santa? Why would you think I'm Santa?
7: I thought Santa was big and chubby and wore red, but Mr. Mickey called you Father Christmas and you came down the chimney and you got white hair and a beard.
0: Well, kid, I hate to say it, Can but I tell
7: you what I want for Christmas? It's coming up soon and I never got to tell anybody.
0: Sure, kid.
7: Can I sit on your lap?
0: Uh, that's the way it works,
7: isn't it? When did you join the army, Santa?
0: Wow. I can't even answer that question, Becky. I don't even remember.
7: Did the elves up at the North Pole find my mommy and daddy?
0: I... I don't know, kid. I don't... When
7: I lost mommy and daddy at school, teacher said that they went up toward the North Pole where the eaters don't go. Will you take me there?
0: Um, if I can. If that's the plan. I don't know. But we'll try and find as many mommies and daddies as we can, okay?
7: Here's what I want for Christmas, Santa.
0: Oh, you wrote it down? Huh. I'm nothing without my shopper elves, but, oh... Joanna? Broden? Kylie? Michael? Jude?
7: Yeah, the eaters took them away. Can you bring them back? Joanna's my bestest friend. Michael is older, but he keeps the bullies away, and Jude is the only one who likes playing Go Fish.
0: What about Kylie?
7: She's alone and scared. She doesn't have her puppy dog or her blankets. She also needs her medicine every day or she gets really sick. So I don't want none of my presents this year if you can bring them back, okay? Santa, why are you crying?
0: Kid, I think that's the best Christmas list I ever heard. What was on your Christmas list before?
7: Well, I want to wake up with Mommy and Daddy at the North Pole. But I know we can't do that right now.
0: No. That might be tough for a while.
7: Can I just whisper it?
0: Sure, kid. Huh. Becky, would you do something for me?
7: Sure, Santa.
0: Would you pray with me? I haven't done this in a while, and I think I might need your help remembering how all that works again.
7: Silly Santa, of course they can. It's easy. You just put your hands together like this.
1: You can go a long time not seeing the things around you that are important. I know there's a special hell for me waiting on the other end of my next dream. I hear their voices. Feel the vibration of their bloody, pulp fists on steel. The Popcorn Express was a boat on the River Styx, but the boatman didn't care if you were alive or dead. You'd be dead soon anyway, so why wait? Kids, old men, the useless and the promising, the brilliant and the thick, the troubled and unfathomable. I could see them all in the faces of the people inside the shelter. People whose lives were normal, dull, and maybe a little dreary or routine. Now so wide awake about the wonders of life that they couldn't help but grieve its death. I just adapted, moved on, accepted things, and kept running. Life, to me... Was a series of adversaries and challenges to be conquered. The only growth I can recall is in learning how to use the system instead of fighting it. The rising of the dead was just another obstacle between me and my needs. There are no people to lose because, ultimately, people leave. They die. They betray. They find something better. So I lived among the dead, perhaps so much like them in my own way that I didn't really care about who they once were, or about the ones who would someday come for me, but but then I saw. I started listening to the people around me. I heard their voices in my dreams realizing that theirs were the same as the voices that cried out from the back of my truck, begging for a chance to live in my world while they still had life, while their kids still had a chance. And I started looking into the murky depths of the lake, and I saw the withered hands, tiny fingers reaching from the black, Faces, eyes fixed on me from beyond the wall of dreams, from a restless death. I couldn't avoid them. In sleep, I expected the sound of swollen flesh raking across rotting wood but I'd begun to see them when my eyes closed and sometimes through a haze of fatigue and hunger. Faces in windows and reflections in the corner of my eye along the road, in the truck and at the shelter I was trapped inside. The Popcorn Express on my way to my grave. And the voice singing me to shore was not offering me the promise of a ruined city. It simply wanted me to step out of the boat and sink into the arms of the dead lurking in the cold, dark quarry. So I didn't sleep. I found a can of coffee beans in the kitchen, and as the sleepless dead beckoned behind the service door, I i guess I haunted the place <laughs> like a ghost. I dropped eaves on my traveling companions. Paranoid? Yeah, a little, I guess. But the lesson of the day was that Perhaps caring a little more about people might help me make better decisions. Knowing their strengths and their weaknesses seemed to be very important. So I floated about and allowed myself some unclean thoughts about the Air Force Sergeant with the amazing aim and impressive backside. She was cozying up to McGinnis, who was himself cozying up to a single glass of century old scotch.
9: Hey, boss. Hi. I am not your mama or your pharmacist, but.
3: Just one glass, and to chew down the antibiotics. try not to use those pain pills Shiva gave me. They make me stupid. No, don't go there. What brings you to my lonely table?
9: (sighs) Can I have tomorrow off? Why, some shopping
3: you need to get done for the holidays?
9: No. Just... Fuck all tired. I am tired of shooting things. I am tired of schlepping dead bodies around. You know... Tending to the future of the human race takes a lot out of a girl. I was built for killing people, not running a daycare.
3: Well, you're not on my payroll, so you can come and go as you wish. You were pretty clear about that when we first met.
9: I was also pretty clear about you using my boobs as your microphone while we have a conversation. But that hasn't been a hard and fast rule either. Guilty. Scotch. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Nice segue there, Mickey. You know, I can just show them to you if you want. If you're that curious. Here.
3: you are Sergeant?
9: Oh, nut the fuck up, sir. It's a sports (laughs) brawl. Here, check this out. Uh,
3: That's impressive.
9: Taliban. 2007. I was caught napping in a small cave by some local goat fuckers. But they were so poor, they had to stab me in the chest with a dagger made of broken glass. And while I was on the ground, a 600-year-old man tried to make me his 17th wife. He slipped me across here before I took his weapon and penetrated him instead. Then I called in a Black Hawk and watched that cluster of huts burn to the
3: ground. And at that moment, I bet you never thought you'd be here with me in a museum to hoard the American working-class heroes.
9: Well, I've been out in the wilderness most of my career. Shit, I could live anywhere. The world seems to have aligned to my career choice. So, I guess, when I say that I'm tired...
3: Our soldiers are not like old dogs, Sergeant. They're not going to wander off to find some shady place to die.
9: Oh, fuck, No. But I'd really enjoy taking my usual three-week leave and go home. Not shoot things. Kick back, drink some wine, play some blackjack. Ken, you're welcome to join us if you'd like. Uh, uh, yeah, hey. When you save my life three times, you can take a look at my tit scars, too.
1: Deal. I'm a steep boy.
9: Now I'm... Uh, have you seen Joe? I bribed her to take my watch tonight. She's either on the roof or in the office by the kitchen. All right. Thanks.
1: Kenneth. Hey, Joe. What are you reading?
4: I'm just admiring the infinite diversity and creativity of the American pornography. That man over there missing half his head? He has 50,000 in crisp bills in the bottom of his drawer.
1: How do you know it's him?
4: There's a picture on his desk with a woman. That's not the naked one on his lap.
1: Look at the end table there. A dirty spoon and a lighter. Don't know where the rest of the kid got to, but I think they both went out happy.
4: You are curious about them? For a man who doesn't care about others, you are quite attentive.
1: Just keeping myself busy. With those two over there in the shadows like that, it's like we're stuck between ticks of the second hand and rooting around their lives.
4: Maybe that's where we are.
1: The longest second ever.
4: Would you join me on the roof, Kenneth?
1: Oh, well, you want to hang out again? You never told me why you ran away.
4: I did not.
1: You didn't tell me you didn't run away, or are you saying you didn't actually run away?
4: Drautia needed to be silenced. We needed to make sure she could not be there when the command called to her.
1: We? An agreement among the voices?
4: In doing so, we gave you time you needed to find us and find the men who would stop him. The prophecy unfolds.
1: The prophecy? You know, sometimes I wonder, if you weren't so damned hot, would I even bother trying to work out what's going on inside your head?
4: If I looked like General Ying, for instance?
1: I'd probably feed you to the eaters.
4: But I'm glad this body appeals to you, Kenneth.
1: I still don't get it. Doralcia, the Dark One. She comes to me in dreams.
4: She comes to all near her spirit. At the campsite, they claim that while I was out looking for you, their dreams of her ceased. Do you still dream of
1: her? More than ever. I'm on a small boat adrift in a silver sea. And she's standing on shore, an island or, or, or something, inside a ruined city. I know she's there because her voice comes across the water.
4: She wants you to come to her. She wants you to enter the ruined city of Gorgosa.:
1: Who is she? What is she?
4: Darling, do you really want to discuss such things? I thought you wished to remain frozen in time.
1: You seem lucid, so I want to jump on the chance you'd make some sense, giving me answers.
4: No answer I could give you would make sense. In this frozen moment, the children are sleeping. The others are planning, and we are here alone. Together.
1: With those two on the couch.
4: A frozen moment. Nothing more.
1: If we're going to succeed in this, Joe, or just survive... I need to know what I'm up against.
4: You are up against me,
1: darling. What more do you need to know? You ran off. Now you want me to go back there with people you seem to have recruited as much as anything else. How do I know you're not bringing us all back for Gourmand and Montcastle's dining and dancing pleasure?
4: All right. What do you want to
1: know? Let's rewind a few days when you were just a lady with a little proposal and a lot of crazy. You and that France guy tore me out of a good place, all things considered, and you burned down a whole community to get me up to Machway. Then you start talking to me about prophecies and monsters, and you clocked me real good when I got too close to some answers on my own. You showed me some real weird stuff nearly got me killed, and then you take off, leaving me with a bunch of scared, cold people about to get chewed up by your weird little cult buddies. Now, I don't know what psychotropic drugs you tried or if you wove some hypnotic notions in my ear while I was recovering from your beatdown, but things just don't add up. All I know is I'm on another truck with more kids heading nowhere I want to be. Who's Robert Chambers, Joe? Who? You left some books behind at Mockway. Robert W. Chambers, author of The King in Yellow, The Seeker of Signs, fiction from the resort library. Mifflin said you picked them up the night you slept with him.
4: You say that with a hint of schoolboy jealousy. Does not become you.
1: The king in tattered vestments, standing beneath the moons Erebus and Iridorn, in the city on the shores of Holly, master of the dead city Carcosa? I gotta tell ya, I'm glad you didn't crib from Stephen King because I might have caught on sooner. So, enough, okay? Who the fuck are you? And what do you want with me? Not all fiction is entirely fictitious, Kenneth. You're just not going to give me a straight answer, are you?
4: There is so much I could give you, Kenneth. So much I want to give you and show you, here and among the stars. All you need to do is sleep deeper than you've allowed yourself to, and we can share the secrets that can only be understood beyond the wall of sleep. Come with me to the roof. Lay beside me. I will protect you, keep you warm, and in your slumber, all you wish to know will be revealed.
1: Fuck you. Fuck you and all of your monsters, Joe. I'm just done. Know what? I'm taking Sarge's watch tonight. You go and lay some of this dream-a-little-dream shit on someone else.
4: Kenneth. Doesn't have to be like.
1: And I know you can slice the wings off a gnat with your little ninja hairpin things. But if you get near me tonight, you'll have to kill me to keep me from throwing your crazy ass off the roof. Get me?
4: I understand, Kenneth. I do. You see the truth in time. Until then, I withdraw.
1: I should point out that for some reason, I was not tired. (laughs) I was a little angry, hungry, certainly, and road-weary. More than anything else, though, I was horny. Something about Joe made me rut like it was springtime in the forest. After Sarge's show-and-tell and and, and Joe's usual expert mind-fucks, I found myself in a strip club. More to the point, on top of a strip club, staring at a 20-foot image of an airbrushed exotic dancer. Ah, youth. (laughs) My balls were bluer than any walking dead man on the planet. Try to work that into your story, kid, okay?
5: (laughs) Yeah. That'll just flow with the rest of the narrative, I'm sure. And below me, (coughs) Joe mingled with the
1: others as only she could. I missed out on the important things that went down next and heard the details over the next leg of the journey. But they were important, despite the fact that I had nothing to do with them.
8: Welcome to paradise, Miss Joe. What'll you have? Oh, right, Russian. How about a cold stoly?
4: Yet that bottle up there. No, not that one. a Platovatsky. The bottle, please.
8: I was wondering about that, since you sort of switch around from one country to another. You know, I thought it was just a thing you did, you know, like like if some guy was into something or other, you'd play along.
4: It's too bad you didn't try to get to know me just a little bit better, General
8: No, I tried not to get too close to my horse.
4: Sorming to the last.
8: So you really got a bunch of women in there, huh?
4: A bunch of women in there Yes, general. My head is like a babushka doll. What's that? Ugh or perhaps one of your circus clown cars. Ah,
8: got it. Lots to learn about you. You've been working for the bosses this whole time, huh?
4: After a fashion, duh.
8: After a fashion? So what are you then, some sort of secret spy for the Googies? Sent out to make sure I towed the party line? Made my quota? Where the hell were you when these United Nations assholes came storming into our place? You went off to burn down the barn with one of them and let the other run all over us. You are drunk. And you're a crazy lady I should have seen coming a mile away.
4: I don't think you see much beyond the reach of your own arms, General.
8: You know, I think you're with them. In cahoots, maybe. Are you with McInnes and Grant, or are they with you? Are they from headquarters?
4: Slow your drinking hand, General. You're acting more stupid than usual. I hope you don't think of this as some interrogation. You are not very intimidating. We all follow the same master, Ultimate.
8: Was the trick turning part of your orders? Or did you do that just for fun?
4: You are consumed by such darkness. You seem to enjoy all this pain. This death.
8: I told you. I love it. Ruling in hell is so much better than running around the servant of a lost cause.
4: Not sure what your cause might be, General. My cause is just, and while uncertain, may still prevail.
8: Who are the Googies, Joe? Really?
4: Your masters. Your happy puppeteers. And right now, they are at war with themselves. Light versus dark. I do not know which will prevail if left to wage on its own.
8: What happens when these guys, these, these little ones, get up there?
4: They die. Unless we put an end to their conflict.
8: No, no, that's not what I mean. What do I get out of it?
4: You? A man who allowed his camp to burn and all his subordinates to die? I'm not sure. Perhaps you'd like to remain here with your distillery and your plastic girlfriend.
8: Hmm, you raise a good point. Who would be more grateful to me, the good little googies or the dark and hungry ones?
4: General, the sun will rise in seven hours. You should rest and dream of all you desire.
8: Why, you could give me such sweet dreams right here.
4: Oh, General... Does it matter to you that your death would mean so little to so many?
8: I think it might be premature. I know secrets even the Guji's don't share.
4: What
2: secrets might those be, General? Oh, see now, everybody rags
8: on poor General Ying. But here I am, surrounded by world-class booze, with the attention of some world-class trim. Why is that? Trim? Not only do I have Joe, but who knows what mystic secrets of the body and soul are hidden behind those black, nerdy frames, or under that lab coat.
2: Cretan, I do hate it when you drink. You're worse than the eaters. Especially the smell. Doctor, how can I help you? Was the General speaking of real secrets, or just the ones inside his bottle?
4: I think he has been fed many things to feel important by his masters. Perhaps when we arrive to release the children, the General might have a worthy position for you in his camp.
8: Hmm, I think you're right. I'm thinking this is a good move for all of us. How so, General? This Slim Shimmers amusement park facility. They've got equipment and supplies. But it's also the Regional Strategic Reserve stockpile. Good old Slim Shimmer's Church of Happy Funtime prayer made a deal with the feds to store emergency supplies. If the Gougies all went bugfuck, we could ride out the whole winter there and start repopulating the human race in the spring.
2: There are emergency supply caches all over the East Coast. So what?
8: Oh no! This is the doomsday scenario set up. Check out this manifest.
2: Oh. redundant digital archives mill net backup hub 1000 combat fatigues winter gear boots five m2 bradleys five two tons 250 office workstations 200 laptops fuel seeds medical supplies yes it's a large warehouse
8: Kind of reminds you of a certain group of home-improvement superstores we tried to take over, doesn't it?
2: Surgical kits, dried goods. Looks like Cold War era tech, but... Oh, I see. What's that? You left drool stains on the section about strategic and precious metals. Gold, platinum, copper.
5: The
8: currency of the new world.
4: You, sir, are an idiot. Why are you telling us this?
8: Well, I know that Kenny and the Commandos are going to want to go off storming the castle. And if what I hear is true, Joe, you couldn't get out of there fast enough. If they come back alive, the camp will be a nice place to stay. If they don't, we might need to gather up the arms and equipment and head west to the Free States.
2: And the gold, silver, and all that is how you plan on financing your way past their border controls.
8: Great minds think alike. I hear the Vice President of the Free States is a huge fan of gold.
2: Don't you think that the people working and living there might have a problem with you relieving them of their vast wealth?
8: Not if they go along with the plan. I think that if they know the kind of weird shit going down at headquarters, they'll want to get the hell out of there as soon as fucking possible. Don't you?
7: Doctor! Somebody! Dr. V! The big man who talks like you just fell down! Santa's trying to help him, but he needs a doctor! Hurry!
2: Joe, I may need you. Come on.
8: Of course. When the limey gets a boo-boo, everyone goes a-running. Meh. Maybe it's lead poisoning. Get it? What are you looking at, kid?
7: You're not a nice man.
8: No, and you'll be lucky to make six years old.
7: I'm nine, you mean jerk.
8: Then get the fuck away from me if you want to make
7: ten. (laughs) Becky, what's the matter? That angry man everybody hates yelled at me. He yells at everybody, Becky. Calm down. Hey, you want to see something cool? What? I found a playroom behind that big stage with the fireballs. A playroom? I went back behind there, and they got a lot of costumes and wigs and stuff. Makeup, lots of stuff. There's a television, too! Awesome! Show me! Come on, it's right back here!
2: Boss! What's wrong? Step
9: away, children.
2: Grant, what happened to him?
9: He was telling the kids about a pilot named Biggles and just passed out. Lord, how much did he have to drink? One glass. I've got the bottle.
2: And
0: he stopped taking the
2: oxy for pain. Shit. Help me open them up.
0: What?
5: The Gougies Chapter 7 starred James Baxter as Ken, Brian Lincoln as Mark and Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Joe. Featuring Ayub Coti as McKinnis, Michael L. Stokes as Grant, M. Sierro Garcia as Sarge, Laura Nicole as Shiva Vesta, Ray Saltrelli as B, Steve Cox as Doctor, and Renee Chambliss as Becky. The episode was written and directed by Jay Smith. Line direction and editing by Brian Lincoln. Sound effects, sound design, mixing, and mastering by Michael L. Stokes. Musical direction by Michael L. Stokes and Jay Smith. Featuring original music by Michael L. Stokes, Kevin McLeod, and Admiral Bob, used courtesy of the Creative Commons license. Production support by Ginny Swan and M. Sierra Garcia. HG World is a production of 3015 North Studios, with content used with permission under the Creative Commons license. For more information on this production, visit us online at www.goodmorningsurvivors.com and find us on Twitter at HG underscore world.